Welcome to the Meta Business Podcast. The Metaverse and Web3 are bringing about the biggest revolution since the internet itself. With your hosts, Paul the Prophet Dawalibi and Jeff the Juice Cohen, we will be bringing you the latest Metaverse business news and insight into what it all means. The Meta Business Podcast starts now. From the boardroom to the metaverse, this is the Meta Business Podcast. I am Paul Dewalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, Jeff the Juice Cohen. For those of you who are new to the Meta Business Podcast, what we do here is we cover all the biggest and most pressing metaverse news and topics of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this metaverse industry. For those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, if you love the content, please share it with your friends. Please leave a five-star rating and review. If you're a regular listener and you love the content, do the same. Leave a five-star rating and review. Share it with your friends. Tell other people about the podcast. That's how we grow this show. Uh, we also appreciate all your feedback. Um, if you guys are loving it, not loving it, whatever you think we should be doing different or covering, you know, send us topics, send us news, send us things that you'd love to see on the show, guests even. And uh, I'm sure we will uh, we will get to it. So, Jeff, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. Uh, feels like it's a massive week. You know, last week we had the biggest acquisition gaming pretty much to date. And, you know, my, uh, Phil Spencer basically said, hold my beer and uh, topped <laughs> it by, you know, 5x. So, I'm, I, you know, I know we're going to cover this ad nauseum, but huge week. So excited to talk about the Activision acquisition, of course. Um, and yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, uh, just so you guys know, you know, our sister podcast, Business of Esports, if, if you came from there, then you know, uh, you know, we covered the Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition there on our live stream slash weekly news show uh, at length. And so if you're looking for, you know, the business of gaming kind of analysis of that, definitely tune into that. Go check that out. I want to focus this conversation because Jeff, it's a huge story, right? And just the two seconds of context here, Microsoft is paying because the deal technically hasn't closed. It may, it may take a year to close because of antitrust sort of concerns, but Microsoft is paying essentially almost $70 billion to go and acquire Activision Blizzard, one of the largest, if not the largest uh, game development company in the world. Uh, makers of Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, Overwatch, you know, Diablo, all these huge franchises. And and I think what what I want to focus on, and I think the reason why, you know, we both thought this was a good idea to bring up on this show is because a lot of the discussion around the announcement, both from Phil Spencer and Bobby Kotick and Satya Nadella, like from all sides, whether it's the CEO of Microsoft, the head of gaming at Microsoft, or the head of Activision Blizzard, all of them had something to say at some point about the metaverse in the context of this transaction. And so I think um, the first, let's start with sort of the buyer here, right? Let's start with Microsoft and Satya Nadella, who's the CEO of Microsoft. And I'm pulling this directly from the uh, transcript of the announcement. So this is Satya Nadella that was speaking, I guess, to shareholders, investors, et cetera. And um, I'll put it on the screen. It's just text. So there's not much to see if you're listening to the podcast. You're not, you're not missing anything here. But uh, I've pulled out where there's discussion around the metaverse, okay? And, and let me start with the first part here where Satya Nadella says, 
when we think about our future for uh, our vision for what a metaverse can be, we believe there won't be a single centralized metaverse and there shouldn't be. We need to support many metaverse platforms as well as a robust ecosystem of content, commerce, and applications. In gaming, we see the metaverse as a collection of communities and individual entities anchored in strong content franchises accessible on every device and bringing fantastic entertainment together with new technologies, communities, and business models is exactly what this transaction is about. I'm curious what you think, just stopping there, Jeff, what you feel about that definition of the metaverse, or at least that view of it. Could you pull it back up on the screen? Sorry. Just wanted yeah. for context as I'm kind of going through it. I mean, I think it's interesting. It certainly doesn't fit with sort of the definition of kind of the metaverse, the capital T, capital M metaverse that we've sort of been espousing on this podcast. Um, but I struggle with this because I don't necessarily disagree with the fact that this is probably what a metaverse will be for the very, I would even say medium term future, um, if not you know, for, for quite some time. Uh, mostly because I, I just think that there are so many big tech companies and so many different entities trying to build different metaverses that it will be hard for us to get to one. So I do think this view of that there won't be a single centralized metaverse is probably very correct, at least for a significant period of time. It also is interesting to juxtapose this versus kind of Facebook's vision or Meta's vision of the metaverse, because I, I do think that they are kind of looking at it more as we are going to own sort of the single centralized metaverse. So it, it's interesting to think about that versus, and, and maybe it gets back to what kind of Microsoft's um, history has been in terms of building apps, building operating systems that lives on other devices. Um, and they've never tried to kind of own the entire stack. They try to own the application layer and the software layer and work with other kind of pieces of software to integrate and, and make people's lives easier through, through software. So maybe it's not surprising because this has always been Satya Nadella's and Microsoft's MO is to kind of build these, these open platforms, these clouds and these services for people. Um, but I do think it's interesting to juxtapose versus, versus Facebook. I mean, what, what's your kind of first initial reaction? You know, there's a saying, uh, to a worm in mud, the world is mud, right? And I feel like metaverse definitions are a hundred percent dependent on whoever's delivering that definition, right? And and there are a lot of good reasons for this transaction, right? There's a lot of good business ideas behind it, and we cover them on Business of Esports ad nauseum. You know, we spent an hour on the live show about it. I think what troubles me here a little bit is, you know, we're trying to conform the definition of a metaverse to justify this acquisition in some ways, right? And so so that it fits. And while I don't disagree, because I do agree that there won't be a single centralized metaverse in the sense that many people will build onto the metaverse on a some kind of common standards or infrastructure. And I do agree that that is where Microsoft plays best, right? That at, at its heart, that's what Windows is. <laughs> it's a common platform that allows other people to build on top of. Um, but but where I, I fundamentally disagree with this definition and where I'm really bothered by it is this sentence of where he says, in, and, and I, I really like Satya Nadella. I love what he's done at Microsoft. I think he's truly been a visionary for the company. He has taken the company to another level. Um, 
And he says, but he says something here I fundamentally disagree with, which is in gaming, he says, we see the metaverse as a collection of communities and individual identities anchored in strong content franchises. And I asked the question, why does it have to be anchored, anchored in some content franchise? Like, why does it have to be about Call of Duty or about, right? Like, I, I, why can't it be anchored in some general interest? Because I think that's more likely what's going to happen, not a specific owned and operated IP content franchise by some megacorp. Fundamentally, I think these metaverses, if you, if you want to call them that, will be organized around interests, much more generalized interests. And, and again, it feels like a little bit to, to a worm in mud, the world is mud. Like, well, we just bought some really strong content franchises. So now we have to say the metaverse is all about being anchored in strong content franchises. I don't really, while I agree the acquisition could add a lot of technology, a lot of smart people to help Microsoft build out their, their vision for the metaverse. I don't think owning Call of Duty gets them any one step closer to that vision. 100% agree. I mean, them owning strong content franchises is an incredible gaming strategy. To your point, it really is not. It's almost the antithesis of a metaverse strategy. Not only does it, is it not necessary, I would almost go as far as to say that it, it is it is harmful to having a metaverse strategy because I don't think the metaverse should be built on any one ip or franchise it, it almost has to be just people going living their life entertaining themselves and I, I think if you're limiting it to one entertainment ip it is by definition not a metaverse because it's not all encompassing um but i think this gets a little bit to the point of just where we are in the metaverse hype cycle where it's not surprising microsoft's a public company they're doing a massive acquisition they're wanting to pitch it to their shareholders, the investment community and the media at large. Metaverse is a massive buzzword. And I think for 99.99% of people, when they think the metaverse, they think gaming. When they think gaming, they're now starting to think the metaverse. So those two are almost, you almost hate to Which say they it. They should be linked. They're almost they should be. They should definitely be linked. And I think the gaming is a massive on-ramp to the metaverse. Um, you know, same way. Uh, same way social media was an on-ramp to the internet or to the mobile internet, or you can use, you know, that's probably not a great example because the internet was around for a long time before, but gaming is a massive on-ramp to the metaverse, but it is not the metaverse. And I think people are using it as synonyms and to investors. I think it's an easy way to pitch it as a story because there's a lot more nuance that frankly, investors aren't aware of yet or don't care about yet. Um, but it is, it is the way that it's being pitched now in the media and the business community generally at large. Gaming equals metaverse. Metaverse equals gaming. Look, I, I truly believe, and, and this analogy maybe, is, maybe makes more sense to me, is gaming's the engine of the metaverse, right? It, it, it powers what the metaverse fundamentally is at, a, at a, that underlying level. And, and this is where I think Satya Nadella is kind of a visionary because... Let me just read the next quote out of this transcript here. Um, he says, when we first discussed the chance to merge our incredible talent, extraordinary franchises, our shared commitment to the very best workplaces and access to Microsoft's vast resources, it gave me confidence that we would have a far better chance to succeed in the increasingly competitive race for leadership as gaming through the metaverse evolves. That's Bobby's like, quote. You that, know that, right? Is that Bobby? 
yeah. Oh yeah, sorry, that's Bobby, not Satya. <laughs> and, and but I think this is a, a great recognition, whether it's Bobby or Satya, it doesn't matter. The combined entity, right? That in some ways, what really matters here is there's a race for talent, right? As 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 mm-hmm. as the metaverse evolves, even if we don't have all the questions answered there is going to be a massive demand for talent that can help build, that can build these things, that can in, envision these things, create these things. Um, that is the race that they're, they're in, whether it was Activision alone or Microsoft alone or both together. And I think that's the smart part of why this makes sense, right? In the context of metaverse, there's a hundred, there's a hundred gaming reasons, right? Which are separate. But I think in the metaverse context, I buy that. Do you buy the people argument? Oh, I a hundred percent do. Um, and we, we just talked a couple episodes ago about how there's only something like 10,000 web three developers total, you know, on the, on the planet currently, um, and just how scarce of a resource that is and how valuable that skill set's going to be. So I a hundred percent buy into, you know, gaming talent is really scarce. And when you kind of amplify it even further to call it like metaverse gaming talent, which I think is a different and more nuanced skill set. Um, yeah, it's, it is incredibly challenging. But does that scare you a little bit? The fact that Activision Blizzard, $70 billion company, widely, you know, really the biggest independent game company on the planet, is essentially saying, whether this is true or not, they're saying the reason why we sold ourselves is because we don't think we can compete in what is necessary to create the future of video games, a la the, AKA the metaverse. Do you a buy that statement and b is that scary? Because if that's the case, then there's only three companies or four companies on the planet that can build this future. I think um, no question that's true in my mind. In the sense that we're talking about a a revolution that on the scale of the advent of the internet of you know the invention of the wheel, like we're talking about a real transformation of life as we know it and how we spend our time, whether it's leisure time or work time, et cetera. So no question that it's going to require vast resources, huge numbers of people all working on solving the technology problems and building out whatever the shared infrastructure looks like. I think only the very largest companies can do that. And I don't think Activision Blizzard was big enough. Like, I think it's truly the metas, the, uh, you know, Amazons, the Googles, the Microsofts. These are the players who are going to build out those standards, that, that infrastructure. That's not to say that there isn't room for a thousand or a hundred thousand other small companies that build pieces of the, the puzzle, pieces of technology, content, whatever, like, like all of it's going to come together through the work of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. But I think you need the backing of the very biggest tech companies for this, for the, the metaverse, again, capital T, capital M to happen. And, and so I think Bobby was right there to recognize that Activision Blizzard alone probably could not have done it. And I don't think that scares me, Jeff. I, th- I think that excites me, right? There's a recognition that this is massive on a scale that everyone is underestimating. Really, everyone's underestimating. We're talking about an industry that will be worth tr- multiple trillions, trillions and trillions of dollars. And... And the recognition that as a $70 billion company, we can't do this alone should excite you, not scare you that there's a massive thing, a massive change coming. A little bit, but it also, you know, if they're acknowledging that it doesn't give me a ton of confidence in some of these smaller startups that are trying to build 
the metaverse or, or, you know, create games within it. Like it, it just, it's a little troubling that he gave that, that response. I mean, like it's almost I, like if they can't do it, why is anyone trying to do it? Besides because they, they're, they're going to the be acquired players. by them, right? Like <laughs> they know they're going to get swallowed by some bigger play metaverse play at some point you have to build some technology or some user base or something of value that then gets swallowed by someone else that has more resources to, to put the whole puzzle together, right? It's puzzle pieces. That's the way I look at it. So if you were a VC then, or you're someone looking at this space, should you be looking at kind of smaller plays? Let me phrase this correctly. Plays with smaller ambition. Like if someone came to you and said, I'm going to create, you know, something like the sandbox or Decentraland, like I am creating the metaverse. In my mind, if given what you just said, the response should be, well, you'll never do that. So I'm not investing in you. But if someone came and said, hey, I'm going to create a digital shoe brand because I know the metaverse is going to be popular and I'm going to be the Nike of digital shoes, then you would say, okay, that that seems plausible to me. That could actually work. Is that fair? Is that a fair statement? Because that's how I interpret what you're saying. It's a good question. I don't think it's a fair question because there's there's too many variables, right, that go into answering that. Like if if someone came along and I believe they were the next, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or the next Elon Musk and they have a huge idea and I think they could they actually because of who they are could make that a reality. I mean, that's part of what being a VC is, right? Swinging for the fences. I think the more cautious or risk averse VCs are going to want to see some path to liquidity, some path to an exit and will invest in companies where, you know, they know it's a, it's an easy roll up into some bigger platform that exists already or where they know, you know, they're building core technology that meta is going to need or that Microsoft's going to need at some point. But I, I, I don't think I would ever dissuade an investor from staying away from a big idea just because that future requires a lot of resources to make it happen, right? Because it's like saying, you know, Google's the biggest search engine. They have whatever, 90% of the market. I mean, the investors in Yahoo still made a lot of money. The investors in, in, uh, you know, ask Alfred, whatever, still made a lot of money because either a roll up, typically a roll up happens in these kinds of situations. And so if I create a legitimate competitor to a Decentraland and I have, 200,000 users on the platform or people who bought a whole bunch of land or whatever, you know, this play is, I mean, that doesn't mean that at some point the central land can't come and acquire me if they're a hundred times the size or 10 times the size down the road. Your question's tough because there's no like one size fits all answer here of just because the, the problem is hard and requires a lot of resources to make the whole puzzle that investors should stay away from anyone trying to achieve kind of the big vision and should only invest in very small kind of, you know, core tech or infrastructure pieces of the puzzle. I don't think that's a fair uh, assumption to make. I also think it depends on the investor, right? If I'm a super early stage investor with a $25 million fund, I'm probably not going to invest in the play that may need $500 million of capital over its lifetime because I know I'm going to get diluted to nothing over time. But if I'm a, you know, $3 billion late stage venture fund, that may be a much, a much more, you know, palatable play for me and maybe more in line with the kind of um, risk return profile I'm looking for. 
where I need the, the huge exit. I need to be swinging for the fences because I need to return this massive fund. So it's a, unfortunately, an it depends answer, I think. There's no, there's no one good answer there. Um, uh, you know, there was this other article uh, from VentureBeat, uh, the interview they did with um, Bobby. You know, he, he reiterated, I think, a lot of the same thoughts. In fact, he used a lot of the same language that uh, Satya did in terms of, you know, what's the metaverse? I'll just, I'll bring this up because he used the exact same language. Like they were really on the same, you know, they were, they were briefed by the same PR firm, I guess, or communications firm. He says... I think players are going to be the defining characteristic of the metaverse. It's a community of players anchored in a franchise. And then those communities anchored in some bigger virtual experience that allows you to have either access to your friends or access to other content. At the beginning, he says, what really is the metaverse? It's not like Neil Stevenson's snow crash vision. He says that specifically. I'm so what do you think of that, about, Jeff? I'm so conflicted about this quote because... I, I f- like fundamentally disagree with him on the the meta on his definition of the metaverse, but I also think that what he just described is an incredibly smart and savvy business strategy for a gaming company, and has worked the last ten years, and probably will work the next, I'll call it five to ten years. But it, it's not a good definition of the metaverse. I, I don't. No, I can't get just- over that. <laughs> But this has always been Bobby in a nutshell to me, right? You got to give him credit for the value he created with Activision Blizzard. But this is not a visionary. This is not a human being who sees the future whatsoever, right? And and I think he's just totally wrong here, completely wrong. What he's described is fundamentally like a VR lobby before you go play Call of Duty, where you can interact with your friends in a VR community um, it's literally like a lobby. And I think that is a very, very, very narrow view of this war of this future that suits his narrative. I just think it's hilarious how it's, it's parroting Satya's comments almost word for word. Right. Um, and, and, you know, for, again, we're, we're a business podcast. You have to admire the fact how quickly the, both of these teams have got on the same page at least from a messaging standpoint, right? There's clearly no discord from a messaging standpoint. Bobby's got um, a couple billion reasons to stay in line, you know, to keep himself on brand on point. (laughs) This is true. Um, uh, One last thing on this, Jeff, before we move on, do you think a year from now when the deal is closed, when this is not about hype and this is not about messaging and this is not about shareholders, like, what once all the sort of the big news and big hype has subsided, do you think we will hear either from Bobby or Phil or Satya about metaverse in the context of Activision Blizzard under Microsoft? It's a tough question. Uh, I think we will continue to hear. I mean, Microsoft will definitely have a metaverse strategy. This this acquisition alongside the just generally what they've done in gaming and the fact that actually can um, credibly be a metaverse or, or execute a metaverse strategy, they're going to have something. Will it be this franchise-driven Activision Blizzard first Call of Duty style metaverse? No, I doubt it. I think this, you know, from a near-term three to five-year perspective, I think this acquisition was very much about um, Game Pass 
getting content, winning the console war, all that stuff that, you know, we, we just covered for an hour uh, just before this on the business of esports. So if you're interested in that whole discussion, please check that out. We, uh, we covered that so well. Like that was one of my favorite live streams we've done. Um, so I think near term, that's what this acquisition is about. But don't make that, don't make that comment as me saying um, Microsoft's not going to be a player here. I think they are now the player here. They're the leader. They've overtaken Meta in terms of who who is credibly creating the metaverse. It'll be interesting to watch, Jeff. And I, I agree that I hope this is a catalyst for a much a much more holistic metaverse strategy at Microsoft because you know Meta slash like Facebook has put their stake in the ground. There's a clear sort of vision from Zuckerberg in terms of what he wants to do there. Microsoft has clearly put a stake in the ground in the gaming space but a lot of the messaging is metaverse. I would love to see that articulated more clearly in terms of tangibly what this is going to look like and what they think they're going to do. If I, if I can make one more hot take, I, I think yeah. Microsoft's biggest asset in, for the metaverse is Minecraft. I mean, I, I think True. that is way That's more a great point. Their, their metaverse strategy than, um, than this acquisition. I mean, I could argue, wow, I could argue, right? Like there's, there's definitely MMO kind of pedigree at blizzard that could wow, lead to metaverse to me, wow type of was too wow was too niche to and too too out there to be like a, a you know a contender for metaverse right like wow is a but, great game meaning you it's, could have it's not where my mind is going to go hang out online true but you could have virtual worlds inspired by activision blizzard ip right there's more of a fantasy world area that is wow inspired wow lore right there's a, a more this is exactly what you said wasn't the answer this is literally their strategy no. this is this is the metaverse I, I don't think inspired it's by franchises in the this game. is exactly said, what we were just hating on this is what we were just hating inspired. on we, just, we just spent inspired. 27 minutes hating on that strategy and then we came full circle and it's, now we love it it's not a virtual lo- it's not a vr lobby to go play cod okay um <laughs> let's let's move on i have we have a couple other fun stories here um, this one, the headline, I think is very interesting, very eye-catching. It says, interpret study says 56% of gamers are interested in earning NFTs in games. Um, you know, the, the study uh, polled 1,500 console and PC gamers. 56% of them are interested in earning NFTs. And um, it, it's interesting in the context of, you know, Ubisoft and all the backlash there where basically they backpedaled. Sega saying, you know, we're going to take it slow and cautious because We've seen the backlash to NFTs. How do you reconcile that with this study, Jeff, that says 56% potentially want to earn NFTs while they're gaming? Uh, it's interesting. I mean, I, one, I kudos um, to them for doing this study. I feel like we, you know, for, for the last six weeks, we've been calling, like saying someone, someone needs to go out and do a survey on this and kind of figure out where people's actual... Uh, motivations are and, and and kind of what people are thinking. So so that's good to have some data finally. Fifty five percent sounds like a lot, but also it's kind of not because if you flip it the other way, it, that means forty five percent don't want NFTs and games. And it's entirely possible that this data is exactly right, and just the forty five percent are super vocal. So you know we're hearing that vocal minority. So that's potentially option one. Option two is there could be something you know, in the question that's sort of skewing where it's like people want to earn, they want to earn NFTs, but they don't want to pay for them. And, you know, maybe the problem is an implementation and sort of the way that these things, um, 
you know, have been kind of put in, put into the game so far. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised the number is 55%, but at the same time, that's, that's decently low still. You thought it would be lower or you thought it would be higher? Based on the public, based on what we've seen and the, and the big negative backlash, I would have thought it would have been lower. Um, now, having said that, I would be interested to see like if they pulled microtransactions or something like I want to be able to buy in-game items, like <laughs> where would that fall? Because if that's like 90% of people want microtransactions, then I'd be like, okay, now the, now the kind of numbers in a different context. Um, you see what I'm well, saying? Yeah, I, I, there's a couple other stats that came out of the study, which I think are interesting. It says, Interpret also said that NFTs could play a major role in retention, as over 45% indicated that being able to earn NFTs through gaming would increase their current engagement levels with games. I thought that was interesting. And it says, additionally, over 53% indicated that earning NFTs is the primary driver compared, and they differentiate here, it's subtle, compared to being able to sell trade NFTs and the idea of building an NFT collection. The quote here says, building a collection is not the major motivator right now. Gamers are not yet viewing NFTs as they would Pokemon cards or collecting a complete set of similar items. Gamers just want to be able to participate in this new business and engagement model. Currently becoming an NFT owner is a cumbersome process with numerous steps across multiple systems and programmers and programs. Gamers are likely looking to the industry to help create a more streamlined process towards NFT ownership and participation. Well, I think that last part is, is a hundred percent spot on. I mean, they, they, and I think this isn't a remotely hot take at all, but I, I think that there needs to be numerous different companies probably built that their sole purpose is making it easier for people to interact with NFTs within games, how to trade them, how to own them, how to easily buy them with fiat, like many different, like it should be as easy as buying a, a gemstone in Candy Crush. And currently it is, it is not that it is significantly, significantly harder. Um, so that is a massive hole in the industry right now that I think everyone is aware of. And there's probably 50 companies out there trying to fix it. Um, but I definitely agree with that statement. Yeah. Are, are you surprised that earning NFTs is the primary driver, not like the idea of building a collection or selling and trading? Like it, it feels like the interest is not necessarily in the NFTs themselves. It's like just the thought that I'm getting something for my gaming, yeah. right? Like there's some psychology here at play that's not really depend. Like if, if I replace NFTs here to make money versus the motivation is to like, Hey, I got a cool thing. No, is no. Well, it's Cause it, it says or? that earning NFTs is the primary driver as opposed to being able to sell trade NFTs and the idea of building an NFT collection, meaning but what is, what does earn an NFT mean? Just like own it for like getting it. No. But th this is my point. It's that like I could replace that with like, uh, I don't know, like ice cream cones. a badge or something. Yeah, like a PlayStation badge. Or stickers. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That that's That is surprising to me. Cuts that it doesn't seem it's about the utility and it doesn't seem it's about the money. That It's just the idea that I'm earning something seems to be the primary driver. I'm just getting something. It doesn't matter what it is. And I don't care to collect it or sell or trade it. I, yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. I, I feel like that is, that would be, that is very surprising. Um, cause to me, the whole motivation I think is to, to get something of monetary value. 
with this. But I guess maybe that's me putting my lens on it. So the data is what the data is. The data is what the data is. Um, let's move on. Uh, we have one last story here, and this is kind of a fun one. And just because I think we I think we have to talk about it in the context, especially of the met definition of the metaverse, which seems to be a recurring theme also here. But the headline here is Brooklyn Nets become the first professional sports team in America to join the metaverse. Like, first of all, that headline, given what's the content of the article, I think the headline's totally misleading. But it, the subheadline says, welcome to the metaverse. And this is this is about the Brooklyn Nets, which is a NBA basketball team. They've officially become the first professional sports team to enter the metaverse. It says dubbed the metaverse. The NBA team debuted a new innovative video system over the weekend that develops 3D lifelike renderings in a matter of seconds. Just without all the details, basically, you can watch their game in a 360 like full VR experience. And and it's all digital versions of the players, but they're they're taking it from real life, right? So they're digitizing what's going on in real life, and they're turning it into a VR experience uh, or a VR sort of show that you can experience um, live. Essentially, I'm curious, Jeff. What what do you think? We're we like again? Is this the right use of the word metaverse here in your mind? Uh, no, no, not really. I mean, but it, but it is really cool. I mean, it's a it's a cool immersive experience, and um, I think we've gotten to the point in the hype cycle where anything that is gaming, immersion, VR, pretty much all of these things are just going to get lumped in and called a metaverse because it, it gets your story picked up by different outlets. Um, so is it a metaverse? No. Is it interesting technology that could actually have an application to gaming and to the metaverse? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I, I, I was pretty impressed with the video that I watched um, just in terms of what these cameras are able to do and kind of the real time 3d rendering, which I think is something that's actually super important, like foundational technology for the metaverse. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting sort of, digitization of real life which i think is is a and we've talked about this before i do think that's like an intermediary step to the eventual metaverse and i could see something like this an experience like this a technology like this being part of call it some other metaverse infrastructure right where i'm i'm in some virtual world some virtual land i go over to the virtual stadium and i can watch the virtual nets game in a way that's more native to that virtual world than just sort of a screen with the real life, you know, players. So like, I could see how this is an intermediary step. Maybe it fits into a metaverse. I think calling it a metaverse on its own is a stretch. Again, I understand why this is being done. It, it's, it's to capitalize on the hype cycle, but I, I'm not sure I buy long-term because long-term truly is if if these players are not playing on a court in real life, you know, if they're sitting in their living rooms playing basketball in some true metaverse, that to me, that's the that's when we've you know reached capital T, capital M. Um, but this feels like an intermediary step, an interesting one, but I think a headline that maybe went a little bit too far. Absolutely, I th but I think it is it is nice to have 
different. You have to remember, there's going to be so many different on-ramps. I think the more we can be introducing people um, who aren't gamers and aren't immersed in this world into these kinds of experiences, the quicker the adoption of capital T, capital M, the metaphor, we have to, we have to just start calling it capital T, capital M. People know what we're talking about, but uh, the, the quicker the adoption will be of that ultimate world, because it's going to be very jarring. And it's, I think we've talked about this many times. It's not going to be like a Thanos snap and all of a sudden we're all living in the metaverse. I think there yep. are going to be all of these different pseudo metaverses and small experiences and slightly immersive things and baby steps. And the more we can get people dipping their toes in and kind of figuring this stuff out, the better. So to bring in an audience of, you know, basketball fans or people sitting in Brooklyn and that don't, that aren't exposed to this, that's, that's good for the industry. In my opinion, at least. I, Jeff, I love finishing on that thought. It's such a good one. Um, guys, if you love the podcast, definitely go leave that review on Apple podcasts on Spotify and Google play, make sure you hit subscribe. So you get notified or follow on whatever platform you get this. Uh, so you get notifications of when new episodes come out. We do these once a week. They come out every Monday. We love doing them. We welcome your feedback, Jeff. Thank you. As always, you're amazing. Thank you guys for listening, for tuning in. We appreciate you guys and we'll see you all next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Business. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Business.